Hey guys, welcome to episode seven of Next on the Platform. This week I'm on with Pete Schoberg, aka Kilo Pete. And Treat ha- uh, Pete has just got back from training and he's going to tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so happy to be on the pod. Um, training went well today. Today is just the start of the week bench day. Um, nothing crazy, just some volume, uh, some sets of four, and then uh, just a bunch of back accessories just trying to get me nice and big. Yeah. And so what's your what's your approach to bench? Because I know as a tall guy, long arms, bench can be quite challenging. What has Sean got you doing for bench? Yeah, you know, it's definitely been a struggle throughout uh, my career. Um, but Sean has definitely helped me tremendously when it's come to um, just trying to increase the bench. It's been a lot about um, just managing loads and just increasing frequency um, throughout the, the blocks and just getting really accustomed to his style of benching, how he wants me to bench. Yeah. And when you when you started up with Sean, what did he have you change? Uh, I'm not familiar with how you were benching before, Sean. Now now I see you you're um are you benching with the biggest arch that you can? Yeah, so before I was uh, I was coached by somebody somebody that's pretty popular on Instagram. Um, he's definitely a clout lifter, but um, it was definitely more of a cookie cutter uh, approach to powerlifting. He never actually told me to flare my elbows on bench, so it definitely put me at a disadvantage, and he didn't really take my bench that seriously as well. Um, Are we gonna so name and shame? Right um well um his name is he goes by the at least uh the korean hulk on instagram you may know him no i'm familiar i'm actually really surprised that that's who it was yeah yeah wow okay continue Um, if you scroll yeah yeah so um but instantly sean told me like um because one thing that i was also doing i kind of had a little bit more of like an intricate setup on bench where i was um like putting my hands like um, backwards, trying to like pull myself in. Um, and I sent Sean like my whole setup and he just changed everything practically. Um, he did a really good in-depth job trying to put me in the best position to bench. And um, a lot of it just came down to um, focusing the most on just pushing through my big toes on bench and just only using my quads and not using any of my hamstrings. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, so that, that was primarily it. It was just a lot of, um, trying to get used to how he wants me to bench and it's been helping me a lot. That's, um, I've never heard the push through the big toe thing. Like I, I'm obviously still trying to figure out, uh, leg drive as well as most people are. Um, yeah. but yeah, I've never heard that cue. So how does that help you? Yeah. So, um, so if you're focusing on pushing through your big toe, you're pu- focusing on pushing internally. You're not focusing on, uh, and that makes it so you're only using your quads. So if, even if you want to use like your feet, and in mm. this case, if you're pushing through your big toe, you're only feeling your quad. If you're pushing through, let's say your pinky toe, you're yeah. externally pushing and you're f- feeling it more in your hamstring. And that's kind of why you would maybe see your, your butt come up on bench. Mm, okay. Uh, that makes sense because uh, I... Um... I'm just picturing like an RDL. If you were to have the weight more on the outside of your feet, I feel like that would be more hamstring focused. Whereas Definitely. I'm just I'm just trying to picture, yeah. So so Sean sort of changed up your whole setup, and was the the frequency too low? Did he think? And um, what, what's your volume like? So especially at the start, I got a lot of tens, lots of eights, lots of sevens. That definitely humbled me really early on. Um, it was it's for the best. Mm. Um, it definitely helped me um, just learn how to bench finally, mm. which um, which really helped me mm. a lot. 
Um, and my training has definitely changed since I originally started with Sean. And um, it's definitely a lot more around singles and then just um, like lots of uh, back down volume, which you'll probably mm. see with a lot of his other clients as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I've said it before probably too many times, but I'm a firm believer in lots of bench volume and specifically lots of higher rep bench volume because uh, you see it all too often. Uh, a lifter is just relying too much on the technique and not enough on muscle and obviously there's a place for technique and a place for muscle but i think in the lower categories um you just see too way too much focus on the arch and you know flaring or whatever and not enough focus on that upper body mass and so yeah. that's yeah that that's um it's it's nice to hear it's refreshing to hear someone have tens not that i've ever done tens um but yeah. it, it's nice to hear it and so how long have you been on with sean so I've been with Sean since um, the first of 2020. I actually messaged him New Year's Eve. And got yeah. back to me on. So it was like a it was like a end of year realization. Uh, next year I'm gonna swap coaches and I'm gonna kill it with Sean. Is that what it was? Yeah, uh, pretty much. So like that December, I was actually going on. Uh, I was actually going on a holiday in uh, in Europe, and um, I was. Um, I kind of had this realization I kind of wanted something new um, and then I really want to take my training to the to the next step and um, really get going and trying to get in a little bit more into powerlifting as that year I did my first meet um, and I just really wasn't feeling like I was getting the feedback and communication I deserved from my my first coach mm. so I was looking at I was looking at all the the big guys I was looking at Sean I was looking at Joey I was looking at uh, Joe TSA and um, just seeing what they all had to offer. And Sean was actually the first person to get back to me. And he was also the first person I messaged. Yep. But um, it is it was kind of tricky to um, message him mm. um, just because there's it, he is a very busy person. So it's very hard for him to look at all the messages. Mm. But um, he has like this email, um, this email part in his um, Instagram bio. And um, he got back to me pretty fast. And uh, I was actually... Uh, about to schedule a meeting with Joe TSA on their website, but then Sean mm. got back to me and I just kind of knew like he's the guy. Mm. So when you messaged Sean, was it like, uh, can can you coach me or was it like, what can you offer me? I'm thinking of getting a coach. We, what's the process? Because I, um, I haven't been through that process. I was actually offered coaching by my current coach. So I've never gone through that. What is that like? So um, for me, he was the, I mean, he was the first person that I really wanted to get coached by because mm. um, there's a person in my gym that's also coached by him and he's done tremendously well under him. Shout him out, um, Sam Young, um, very, very smart lifter, very strong lifter, uh, pretty small guy, but he can definitely pack a punch. Um, and him and Sean are very good friends. And uh, I kind of brought him up in my original email and, um, and I was telling him about all the different things that he's done for uh, Sam and um, just kind of um, what I kind of wanted out of a coach, kind of what I've been hearing from Sam. And um, he's def and um, I decided to message him um, kind of talking about that stuff. And um, yeah, I kind of just took off from there. I told him about my numbers. I told him about kind of my background, uh, who I am. And mm. um, it was as simple as that. And then he decided we should just get started. Yeah, so you've been with Sean for about a year and I was on your Instagram and you did a meet in, was it January um, this year or was it, when was your last meet that you've done? Um, I did a meet in November. I did the Virginia okay. Winter Rep. November, sorry. 
And how did that go for you? You know, um, I went nine for nine, but it wasn't the nine for nine that I really wanted. Um, the two lifts that definitely did the best out of the peak were bench and uh, deadlift. My deadlift blew up a lot during that peak. Um, but then we had the squat. Yeah. And what happened with the squat was during the summer, I made a lot of progress um, in my squat. I was hitting like 10 pound PRs um, every week. And then I started to get this really bad knee tendonitis that really um, hindered my progress and made it so um, I wasn't comfortable squatting. And it wasn't really something that Sean and I um, addressed too much. He definitely um, wanted to help me and he did the best that he could. It was just something that was um, like, I'd be feeling really good going into a training session and then I'd go down for like my first warm up, and then I just couldn't feel comfortable to pop out of the hole like I'd want to. Mm. Um, because during um, the prior weeks when I was hanging with PRs, I could just pop out of the hole and um, just so confident. And um, it's been something that's definitely um, slowed down my squat progress. And um, it's something that um, I definitely had to work through. Um, but during that peak, along with other teenager things like applying to college and um, just kind of stresses of my senior year of high school, yeah. um, it's, it was kind of a really difficult time to, um, to do a meet prep. Yep. But um, I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm really happy with how the whole, whole meet turned out. Um, with all that stuff that was going on and what so what were your numbers like you, you went nine for nine was there room in the tank um so for squat i definitely think so especially if i was healthy i think that there was definitely i could have definitely done more in mm. um 215 was my um my gym my gym pr and um but i did hit big prs or big me prs on all three lifts um but room in the tank um not that day in particular but i definitely think um if my knees were doing well i could have hit um upwards of 225 um, maybe even 227.5 that was the mm. original goal so um, sorry do you think the the knee um pain was from the wide stance because i've no. tr it wasn't yeah no yeah go ahead um, I was just going to say, cause I've tried the wide stance or wider and I'm not quite as tall as you, but, um, like I, cause obviously I watch Sean and, and he stands wide. I know it's individual, but I've tried it and it's always caused me a little bit of an issue. Like, Ooh, like I think I just tweaked my knee, it, no pain or anything, but I definitely feel some pressure on it afterward. And I just assume maybe that's what happened. Do you know what caused it? Yeah. So I think it was just like the. Well, the original knee pain, it was just because of those weeks of um, heavy singles, RP 8.5, RP 9, um, just kind of just pushing the limit, hitting weights that I've never even come close to hitting. Yeah. Before that block, my, my PR was like four, 420. And I did that, that four, six week block squatting 474. So it was just, yeah. Mm. So a whole 50 pounds um, that I just haven't been accustomed to. Mm. Um, it definitely, um, it definitely aggravated some joints, and I've seen it in lifters before when they're hitting these big PRs. By the end, their their bodies are beat up. Their bodies mm. just don't know really know how to react, especially their tendons. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So just like accumulative but, fatigue, essentially. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, um, and so uh, I interrupted before you were saying about bench and deadlift on meat day. Yeah. So um, bench was definitely really progressing this block or that meat prep. Um, there was, uh, I mean, I was gaining mass, I was getting bigger. Um, so that definitely contributed a lot to it. Um, just holding myself at a good standard. It was just a really good, 
um, peak on bench. Um, and I wasn't benching how I normally did because I just wasn't really used to the ER racks at the, at the meet. I was used to the Lico and um, I kind of um, set up way too low on the, the rack height and uh, it caused it so I couldn't really set up the way I really wanted to. And I I was kind of uh, blundering my uh, my technique almost. Yeah. And if you look in my third attempt uh, bench video, it's obvious that the bar went up and down, but the, the judges didn't. Yes. Uh, I, had a, I had a similar thing with my, my first 130 in comp was like just the worst possible lift I could have done. Uh, I managed to get the bar up, but like, there was an up and down motion. My bum came way off. I didn't wait for the rack command and I got two whites and this is in the IPF oh. and I got two whites. It's literally the worst video of all time that the, even from a terrible angle, you can still see my bum comes up about this far and, and obviously side judges and it still got passed. Um, I actually think it's a funny thing. If I can find the clip, I'll put it up. Uh, I don't know if I still have it, but yeah, just terrible, terrible judging. I won't say what fed or, or where it was, but yeah, um, it's certainly something to laugh about. You know, you see sometimes people will miss a miss a lift, and you think, "How the hell did they miss that?" And then, like, I go and do that, um, and get this ridiculous two whites. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, so what about deadlifts? Um, and then, so you've probably seen my deadlift technique. Um, yes. It's definitely a little bit more unique than some other people may see. And- some people may be thinking I exert a little bit too much energy on those first two pulls, but um, so that lift in the meet, um, I mean, everything was going really well. Like after, after squat, um, just feeling extremely bloated. I um, almost needed to vomit after my, my third attempt, just because mm. my belt was just so tight around my abdomen um, after just force, force eating and drinking. Yeah. Definitely, definitely pushed the envelope a little bit um, just the night before. Um, eating and drinking. Shout out to Steven Singleton and Alex Sador. Um So <laughs> wait, what do they make you do? So the so I, I'm so I'm underweight. So I'm uh, I compete at ninety three, but I was uh, like two o two o one pounds, two o two pounds, and um, they're like, all right, Peter, we got to get you up to two o five. We got to get you up to t- maybe even two o six before you yeah. get to bed. So. And I'm pretty tired. Uh, like it was, it was just uh, a day that we were chilling, but I, I was ready to go to bed. Yeah. And um, so, so they, they laid out all this food for me. I had, uh, I had some Chick-fil-A, some, some Chipotle and um, just kind of like other miscellaneous snacks. And um, I was just eating as much of it as I could. And I've definitely have not felt that sick in a long time. Yeah. And um, then um, the next day um, I weighed in and um and I was, I think it was 92.5, 92.8 almost. Yeah. I don't know, some pretty high uh, 92s. And then um, I, had, I had some rice, some soy sauce, and um, <laughs> that definitely did not help. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it helped with the bloat, but um, it definitely didn't make me feel great. And um, I went into squat and I latched my belt on my uh, when I was warming up. I'm like, oh, man. So you do, know, you like, use, do you use an SBD one or one of the ones that you like can't adjust? Yeah, so I use a I use an A7 10 millimeter belt. I haven't yeah. made the jump to SBD just yet. Um, I, I love that thing. It works well for me, but uh, I, I am considering getting a SBD and just finally joining mm-hmm. the, the big boys. But yeah, so I couldn't, I couldn't adjust it. And, um, and I don't know if you've ever had this problem. But um, if you put on your belt, like one of those belts, um, you'll like actually feel like you're bracing up against the belt before you latch it. 
Yeah. And that that's kind of how, that's kind of an indicator that um it's going to be a rough day. Yeah. And, or you're just feel like a meatball. Cuz um, if you're already so, if you're already bracing, if you're already bracing and then you have to take a breath, that's going to be I can only imagine and after the food you ate, that sounds like um it would have been it would have been pretty rough for you. Yeah, it, and it was. Um and so we went through went through the squat warm-ups. And um, everything was feeling just all right. My rack height was a little bit too high um, and something we fixed when I was going out and, um, you know, hit that first attempt. First attempt was really well. Uh, that second attempt, I actually had a problem with my mask um, where, so I was wearing one of those like girdles and, um, and the judges were pretty strict that day because it was like only one of like the first couple meets that have been going on since like quarantine started. And um and my mask actually went below my nose when I unracked it. And I didn't think I was going to get the start command. So I mm. re-racked it, put, my, uh, put the mask back over my nose, and I unracked it. And then I hit the lift. But it definitely took some energy out of me. Mm. And then, yeah. And then Sean and just, yeah, go ahead. Is what happened to Sean, uh, um, was that before your comp? What happened with Sean at his mate? Uh Oh yeah, it was. So yeah. I was kind of scared. This so I would have guessed. Yeah, that was in the back of your head. Oh my god, my coach got disqualified for. I don't even know because then I read, I read the mask thing, and then I read that he was being handled by some guy that was banned or something. Um. So I don't know the the whole story off the top of my head, and I don't want to give any false information. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, the the coach that he was with. Um, he does, I'm pretty sure he has a ban just because he was taking, uh, I mean, he got popped for, um, adrenaline. It wasn't like, like steroids or any performance enhancing drugs, yeah. but, um, yeah, it was just something that was in some pre-workout and then it just oh. kind of caused him to get yeah. 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 So that wasn't the biggest problem. I mean, he got it appealed and he was able to, the, the me was actually able to count. Um, mm. but it was a whole process he had to go through with the main office of the USAPL. So, and um, prior to the meet, actually, after his meet, the Virginia State Chair, the guy that was refing me, um, he put on like the Facebook group um, talking with like, a bunch of other uh, state chairs, like, this is not how you should be running meets. This is mm -hmm. a perfect example how not to compete in this federation. And so they definitely had some beef. So I actually had to email him prior to the meet to make sure that it's okay that my coach was coming. Because wow. I wasn't sure if they were any yeah. uh any bias so did alex and that come with you on the day as well or were they just with you the night before um so they so alex uh he drove down and steven uh he flew in so they were with me and then um they were helping they were helping handling uh where they helped handle um some of other some of sean's other clients yeah in the warm room i think we had about like six of us competing that day so it was definitely a hectic meet mm. um because there were there were four flights and there were two platforms and the thing was, um, there was one big warm-up room, and then there was like a side, like ollie lifting warm-up room where they had like bumper plates and um, just like cages. So everybody really wanted to be in the main one where there was kilos, and there was just like big. I mean, there were there was like Ashton Ruska. I was warming up with him, mm. and like Connor Borka, some some very strong individuals. So yeah, it was definitely a warm-up room. Um, so, but Stephen Alex did a great job handling and kind of helping out Sean along with mm. other clients. Yeah. And so on the day, what was your what was your third deadlift? Because I know your deadlift has blown up recently and we'll talk about that after. But on the meet day, what was your third pull like? Yeah, so uh, my third pull was 257.5 kg. 
Um, and that was that was just a 2.5 kg PR for me um, out our gym and meet. It was uh, uh, my first meet I did um, 197.5. Mm. So the, it was a pretty big uh, huge meet PR. Yeah. yeah. So uh, obviously you'd hit it like a heavy single in prep, and that was your PR at the time. So what, like two fifty five in prep? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's the mm. And so since then you've, because uh, last week I think it was you paused two sixty. So you've obviously done like a pause block, and I saw that you, um, you're back on comp deadlifts now. What was Sean's motive for having you do pauses? So I'm a person that gets a lot out of. Um, just the first few inches off the floor, especially if like I can slow that down, really make sure I'm pulling the slack, wedging and hinging hard. Mm. Um, it'll make it so it will be kind of slow off the ground, but then I can just explode and lock it out like that. I mean, if, and if I, if it's not like that, that means I definitely didn't wedge or hinge the way I should have. Yeah. Um, so pausing, it makes it so it kind of slows down when I, it's kind of slows down the movement even more. So I'm, I slow off the ground, I pause it, but then it forces me to learn how to accelerate even more to that lockout. Hmm. Um, and it's definitely helped me tremendously. And it was so odd <laughs> this last Sunday, just trying to do a deadlift without pausing. Hmm. Yeah, see, I've never, as a conventional puller, like there's, my issue has never been the, the pause. So when I have done pauses, it's horrible. And like, I lose, you know, I just can't do them. But you seem to execute them really well. And like, especially for pausing two and a half kilos over your meat PR and only it's only a couple months after your meat. Like that's huge. Do you think, do you think like if you had done, like obviously you're trained with the pauses right now, do you think you could have, because I know some people out of nowhere, they'd be like, I've hit like a crazy pause PR. I don't even know if I could have done it without the pause sort of thing. Do you think that's the case with you? Oh, not at all. Um, I think the, uh, the pausing, definitely it's just a very strong variation for me yeah. and um what's funny about that is the the block right before uh prep for my last meet uh, my best pause pr that i went it was like my pause pr and then we went straight into meet prep it was 520 so that was a whole like 46 pounds that um i got from not pausing um you know there could have been some some muscle development and some better technique um, to get me to that point, but it, it was definitely a good indicator for me to feel really strong in my comp pulls. So. Mm, yeah, yeah. And so since then, you've just done some variation blocks and do you have a meet plan for this year? Yeah, so I'm planning on doing a teen slash high school nationals in uh, Aurora, Colorado on uh, May 30th. Yeah, okay. One of the things that we spoke about over the internet was your sports background and how it's affected your lifting. Um, I came from all different sports. I've like, I've played them all in Australia, the ones that we have here. Uh, but I, if anything, I'd say that I played f- soccer, football. Um, it actually gave me a lot of hip imbalances. So how, well, tell us what sport you played and, and how it's helped you or affected you. Yeah, so I don't know if you can tell by the, the jersey in the background, but I played ice hockey, and uh, I played ice hockey for 14 years. Um, and it's definitely helped me a lot in powerlifting. I played as uh, the goaltender. That was my position. And I, um, I learned a lot about uh, basic footwork, 
um, just learned a lot about my body through that. And then um, that's kind of how I got into to powerlifting. Um, but um, yeah. Is, um, is weight training a part of ice hockey? I'm completely unfamiliar with American sports. Yeah, so it's definitely... Um, funny you mentioned that because um, because it's very different because there's very much so like a sports-specific um, weightlifting culture. And um, a lot of kids, they pay like thousands of dollars to get sports-specific coaching. But um, what, it techni- what it pretty much is, at least what I did, it was a lot of like agility training, a lot of like ladder drills, and a lot of um, just kind of explosive movements. There wasn't really a lot of barbell movements, at least for me. Uh, I wish it, I wish it would have been, um, but yeah, so it's just kind of like basic barbell movements sometimes, and then agility training, um, where you're just kind of prioritizing explosiveness and endurance and, um, kind of like safety, I guess. Well, you can sort of, and I can see that in your lifting, like we spoke about just, just before about the pauses and stuff, that explosive lockout in both your squat and deadlift, that's certainly what you were saying just then. It certainly does reflect that. Yeah, um, that explosive because like uh, your deadlift is quite snappy, and then for example, the was it a two hundred five squat single you did recently? Like yeah. it was kind of like grindy in the hole, but then snappy lockout. And mm-hmm. and do you, would you attribute that to hockey, or is that just the, the you're like how you lift? Well, it's maybe well, it's how I lift is kind of like how I got from hockey, right? Mm. So um, I've also I've always kind of had this explosiveness to my play in either hockey or powerlifting where um, or let's say like in hockey where I would be trying to slide across the goal for a save or um, after having to go into the splits to make a like a save which I, I used to be able to do fun fact. yeah uh, <laughs> uh, no, no I can't do it anymore but no no I, I wouldn't think. expect you to <laughs> yeah um, but yeah so. I mean, I made a lot of really good habits, especially with my lower body when um, I was learning how to be explosive for, for hockey, just trying to make those desperation saves. And um, it's definitely came a, a long way back to powerlifting because um, I also had to do a lot of plyometrics for hockey where yeah. I'd be like doing box jumps or I would be um, doing sprints. Mm. And um, I definitely feel like that's definitely helped me in, uh, in powerlifting as well, just kind of being very confident when I lift. Um, and just being as explosive as I can. I know um, it's kind of hard to find a balance, though, to being explosive and then being kind of like safe and tight, mm. you know, um, yeah. because there can be times where I'm trying to be explosive and then like uh, my, my back will round or um, I won't have great technique. And um, it's just been a lot about, especially in deadlift, I find that deadlift you can't really be excited for, um, at least for sumo. You kind of really have to focus on your yeah. technique. And like if you in focusing on executing it it's almost just like um it's almost like just an art in itself um i know for conventional you can be really um amped up and you can just pull that thing right off the ground mm-hmm. like it's it's a lot simpler at least for me i find that sumo is something that people kind of get a little bit too hyped up for and um they try to be explosive on the ground but they'll get really bad lockouts and mm-hmm. that that's kind of how that's kind of why you see some of those bad lockouts because people are a little bit too fast off the ground mm-hmm. Well, like with this, like, um, I don't know if you saw my recent deadlift post, but the 500, I pulled at seven. That's yeah. like, I, um, it's done at home and I'm, it's a makeshift platform. Like my dad and I made it. And if even, even just like pushing down on where I stand, it moves. 
So, oh, no. um, so obviously pulling the slack out of a deadlift, um, it's you know forces going both ways instead of just one way, which makes it harder, but also makes me hopeful in that when I go onto a proper platform, it'll be easier. But yeah, like you said, um, deadlift is definitely my messiest lift just because. Uh, of how my body is and yeah I do get because I pull conventional I do get uh, hyped up uh, and you know yelling and whatever music and ammonia Um, but yeah and I have tried sumo it just doesn't work for me I think you're right in that um, it it definitely requires that patience and of course such a such a bigger focus on technique like that's why the comments like oh it's sumo it's just so stupid because it's not it's so much like you know, I don't want to speak for everyone, but at least for me, it was so much harder to try to pull sumo than it was um, with with conventional and especially with squatting low bar and pulling sumo at the same time. But on the topic of the hype thing, like uh, for example, Sean does a lot of high rep stuff and he does seem to get quite hyped up, uh, not compared to other people, but he there's definitely that element of hype. And then of course, his execution is still very nice. Yeah. I think there's there's like a balance. You have to balance it, and you have to yeah, pick. You, you have to pick and choose. Like I'm four weeks out. I'm not gonna start screaming and ask someone to slap me in the gym. Like I, yeah, I have a little sniff of ammonia, but I'm four like three and a half weeks out. You know, on my last heavy single, I'll do it with some of the boys where I'm gonna do my comp. Luckily, I'm only I'm, I live close, so I can practice on the comp platform, and, and, and I'll save it. Um, but I think again, you could you could um you could argue that saving it all for your last single saving it all for meet day is one way to go but then you could also argue that practicing under those conditions the whole way through prep is the way to go and i think um for me this meet is going to be the first meet where it's more of a competitive thing rather than a learning experience because i've done two meets now um i went eight for nine and nine for nine on my last meet, i didn't get any red lights so i think I've had that learning experience and now um, I'm going to request to get drug tested because I want the national records. So now it's like I have to unlock that um, hype part and, and my coach said on my last meet, uh, I, there was a just complete composure. I, I, there was, you wouldn't, you couldn't even tell if I was competing or not by the look on my face. Uh, and, and it's actually been harder for me to get hyped and I know some people find it hard to stay calm and they'll be too yeah. hyped up and they'll waste their energy. Yeah. So it's definitely finding that balance. Um, I mean, um, from experience, um, there's been training blocks where I just try to get as hyped up as I possibly can right before a set and um, it will benefit me. But then when it comes to singles, I haven't really found that getting too hyped up um really benefits me too much just because um, I'll maybe um, misgroove a set or misgroove the rep and it will um, and it will just not make the lift look great and um, it will just put me at a disadvantage where um, it, I just feel like if you focus on executing and focusing on um, just kind of keeping your composure, keeping your poise, um, then you can, you can execute the lift and mm-hmm. it will look good. Not saying that you should be too calm, you know, you, you have to find that balance. Yeah. 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 Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, and it also depends on, um, your, what your technical lift is. So like for you, your technical lift would be, well, you're a very technical lifter overall, but for example, for me, my most technical lift is bench, even though it's, 
and it is my my best lift in comparison. Um, but yeah, I um, I've been practicing with ammonia, but honestly, I don't even know on meet day if I'll use ammonia for my bench. Um, I think just because it's so technical, and I think if I get jittery and too hyped up under the bar, I'm gonna lose tightness and stuff. Whereas in my deadlift, and you've seen it, it's like. Um, I'm grabbing the bar and I'm pulling slack straight away. I'm not spending any time down there just because. And I, re- I reply. Uh, Alex asked me um, why. Wait, no, no. Someone else asked me why grip and rip. And I don't know if I'd call it grip and rip. Um, I'm certainly. I'm not just. Um, it's like pulling, find grip and rip. Yeah, it's like I'm. I'm grabbing the bar and I'm gonna. It pulls because it's a deadlift bar, so it pulls slack straight away, and then I'll set my hips down. Um, I've seen people just literally grab the bar and pull it up, but yeah, I'm grabbing, I'm grabbing the bar with my hips up and then I'll sink down. So yeah, it's, I guess it's close to grip and rip. It's certainly a fast pull and it's one of the lifts that I can get hyped up for because I'm not relying too much on technique. It's a very, um, muscle dependent movement for me in that I could definitely benefit from better technique, but at the moment it's just relying on the muscle that I have and like, to the best of my ability, relying on my technique, but it certainly does need some work in the next few blocks. And uh, kind of talking about like what lifts are most uh, benefited by kind of keeping your composure. Um, personally, I found that um, it's kind of a kind of a hierarchy of it, where um, my squat. I'm definitely trying to get amped up the most for that lift, um, and it's definitely you can definitely see in my videos. Um, I mean, my face is just like so red. And, um, yeah. It's it's. It's kind of embarrassing at times, but I, I definitely keep my composure as much as I can. But I get really excited for that, and um, I can definitely feel it because it's definitely probably one of the hard. And it is, in my opinion, the hardest lift. Yeah, it is. I would um, agree. Yeah, and um, but I think that's a good lift to get really amped up on. And then there's bench. Bench is actually the, my lift where I try to remain the calmest. Mm. Um, I listen to just maybe some, some, some rap. Um, but nothing like too like blaring in my ears, um, just because I'm focusing on that technique and focusing on pushing my sternum to the bar the entire time. Um, and then there's deadlift where I, I'm kind of I'm kind of a little bit more loose um, when I'm deadlifting, just kind of uh, kind of like feel good um, music. And um, but uh, I definitely think that there's a time and a place to be hype, and I, I don't think that it should be applied to after lifts. Hmm. I think the obviously hype is important um but with the powerlifting's uh, how do i word it properly powerlifting's uh transition into being very driven and dependent around social media i think that the hype has become almost a bit of a oh let's copy isaac whistler or let's blah 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 you know it's like it might work for him and he might want to be shirtless and scream in the commercial gym, but you might need to stay calm. Um, and I think, and I know you have some stuff to say about this uh, in terms of not looking too far ahead in their career and more focusing on right now um, with the hype. I think it, you have to understand, like I said, it might work for Isaac, but it might throw you off. You might forget to do one of your cues. You might waste too much energy. You might lose too much air and then not have as well of a, uh, as good of a brace. Um, what's your opinion on uh, the current state of powerlifting within teens and in its relation with social media? 
Yeah, so I have a lot to talk about this. Mm. Um, so I'm friends with quite a lot of uh, teen lifters, so I kind of see every side of it. Um, I'm friends with Isaac as well. Um, and there's definitely the advanced lifters. Um, not really going to go into names or anything, but I'm just kind of talking about them in general, um, where they're creating brands for themselves and they're, mm. um, people are following them and people are looking up to them. And, um, and there's others that are kind of trying to do the same thing, but they end up kind of following the exact same formula that those other pretty successful guys are, are doing. And they're kind of relying on the hype and you just, they're kind of just like a, like a Walmart version of those guys that are um, being so successful, especially at the, the team level. But then there's also those guys that are working kind of in the shadows and not posting too much. So mm. um, there's definitely multiple sides of kind of how teen powerlifters are going about. Um, I think that there's still quite a lot of um, teen lifters that are kind of following the whole like power building approach, which we can see on social media all the time, um, where they're using like the deadlift bar and straps and they're thinking that, oh, this is going to be an official world record. Oh, funny um, that. We'll talk about that later because I know exactly what you're talking about. We'll talk about it after. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely these professional guys at a young age that are taking powerlifting very seriously. And um, I'm very, I'm very um, happy to be friends with a lot of them. Um, but then there's also some of these people that are taking powerlifting so seriously. And it seems like it's the only thing that they got going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks like that... Um, they may not be prioritizing other things. And I've definitely talked to some people that powerlifting right now of them being 17, 18, 19 years old, this is their life. This is what they want to do for the rest of their life. They don't really, mm. they're not really thinking about the long run, mm. um, which is, which is good right now, but they're acting like this is the last meet and last time they're ever going to. Compete. So yeah. as a bigger, so I'm six, three and I've spoken about this already. I'm 110 kilos. Um, I have a big frame. I'll eventually be, I'll be like, I could probably be a lean 120 in five years. Yeah. Right. Um, ideally I'd look like Shane Hunt, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, whether, I don't know if he's natural or not, but you know, that's the goal. Look like that. Um, but yeah, the thing is like, this meet that I go into, there won't be another 110 kilo junior there because it's rare for a start. Not many people are tall, so they can't feel like that. And you don't have to be tall, but it, it there's a correlation between height and weight, obviously. Um, but it's like, you won't peak until, and obviously everyone has their different peak, but you won't peak until your late 20s. Your coach is still going to peak. Um, Russ is still going to peak. We're still going to peak in 10 years, whatever. It's like, when... It's, it's, a, it's the idea of like mental fatigue in that you have to have a break every once in a while. I think um, Steffi Cohen spoke about this. I don't, some of the stuff she says, I don't agree with, but um, she has, and I'm not in any place to disagree with the world record holder, but it's just some of the stuff she said, um, like the, the, the crazy saunas and stuff and what, for weight cuts. But yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, she has a few months off every year from powerlifting and I know she hasn't been doing it recently, but that's what she said. Everyone should in some t- part of the year have a couple of months off and train, but just do a different type of training. Um, and I think that's on a larger scale, a few months of the year, that's quite a large scale. But I think even week to week and day by day, you need to have, like you said, something else going on. So for me, I'm studying um, exercise physiology and uh, and I and I do some like low level coaching just for experience and then obviously working as well. 
And so as much as I love to think about powerlifting all day, every day, I can't, I have other stuff on right now. I'm on holidays, but during the, during the trimester, it, it, I can't, I have hours and hours of uni every day. And I think that's why when I do get to do my sessions, I enjoy it so much because I'm not sitting around all day doing nothing. I have stuff on and it's, yes, my programming is enjoyable because my coach knows what I like and that. But I think a, a large part of me enjoying it so much is one, not, okay, this is a different topic. Uh, I train very conservatively. So my off season on Instagram is very boring for everyone to watch. And it's fun for me because I like volume, but nobody likes watching it. Um, so then when I do an, uh, a prep or whatever and I and I do singles for the first time in uh, like, when did I do a deadlift single? I, I did an off-program deadlift single a few months back. My coach approved it on the day. But I hadn't been pro- programmed a single since my last comp. So it would have been six months between singles. So I yeah, huge volume. And just for me trying to fill out my frame because I think... Yes, maybe I'll lose technical proficiency by missing by not doing singles in that time, but I'd rather fill out my frame. And because I got plenty of time, like you mentioned, I've got plenty of time to peak, plenty of time to get really, really good at singles, but I don't have a long time to build a really, really good base. Um, yeah. So uh, I train at 110 kilos, and I'm going to compete at it. Um, but my main focus and our main focus has been muscle mass for injury prevention and then obviously muscle mass for strength and those those two things have been really useful for me in that um even with relatively poor i I don't know if that's the word i should use a deadlift form i've had no injuries in the last year because we are very conservative all year and this is on the direct topic of what we're talking about people lifting for instagram um yeah, my off season is boring and and people don't like watching it and I lose followers when in the off season. I've noticed. Um and then I get them back during peak, but it's like that is not a driving force of my training. At the end of the day, I don't care about Instagram followers as much as I care about my body and its health. And I think we can talk about it and I'll name him, um Tyson training yeah. training the the deadlift I'm assuming only the deadlift because that's all he posts. Uh, yeah. And I don't, I don't think he benches. And I don't know if you saw the comment. I made a comment on Rising Lifters um, yeah. when they posted him about him claiming it to be a, a unofficial world record. Um, my my thoughts on the topic are: he used straps, he used bumper plates. He gripped on the bar where he would never be able to in a competition because he gripped on the part with no, whatever it's called. I forget the name, the rough stuff. Um, And he didn't lock it out, knees or back. And he goes and says, unofficial world record. And that, to me, he he is the biggest clout lifter on Instagram. Um, He makes those YouTube videos. He puts that motivational bullshit over the top. And it's like, I respect him that he's, I respect him as a, lifter but i don't respect the way he markets himself and it is for coaching and i um swapped up on his story a while ago and i was like what gives you the right to coach like he is 18 or 19 as far as i know he can only deadlift he doesn't have a degree 
in it. I don't know what he's doing, but like, I think he thinks he can coach because he has 20k on Instagram. Yeah. And yeah, I, and I don't I, mean, I don't mean to drop name. Like, I haven't really dropped a name on here yeah, yet, yeah. but it's like, it gets to a point where you, everyone is clowning him right now. Like, um, Wheezy's comment, whatever, got like a hundred likes on King of the List. It's like, why are you posting yeah. this guy? It's and I wouldn't have an issue with it. Like, he's fine. He can get reposted wherever. He's got a massive deadlift, whatever. But it's then when you go to offer coaching and your training reflects someone who is uneducated, when you only pull heavy singles, when you pull it with straps, when you... Uh, have, like, you've seen his sumo, right? Compare his sumo to yours and look at the technical differences. Oh, yeah. And for him yeah. to offer coaching, it's it's legitimately dangerous and that's why I have an issue with it. And as someone who's taken so much pride in learning um, from my degree, from my certificates, from my research, from the eBooks that I read, such I have such pride in the fact that I don't market myself on Instagram as a coach. Uh, I don't even call myself a coach. I'm doing coaching uh, as to learn. And I have five or six beginners. Beginners isn't like they're just getting into strength training, yeah. and that's the experience. But for him to turn around and offer it and market it, like in his literally in his bio, I think it is DM for coaching. It's just dangerous. Yeah. Uh, what do you reckon? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I have a lot to I have a lot to say about this topic. Um, so it's essentially like him among many other team lifters now, being that they have the privilege to start coaching and start asking for money from people. Mm. Um, I think there, there's a complete difference from charging for coaching at a young age than doing it for free and getting experience, which I hope that you're doing. Um, I know that uh, if, if, even if you're not, that's all right. Um, just hopefully not too much, nothing over like 50 US dollars. Oh God, no. I was, okay, well, I'll say it now. Um, when I very first started, I offered my one of my best mates free coaching. We've been training for the same length of time. I'm just more genetically gifted. I offered him free coaching and then university started and I was charging 15 Australian dollars, which is 10 US dollars. So I was 10 a week. Yeah. And I think at that point, and because I have such a noble, I feel like at the time I felt like it was worth that just because I had, was learning from such a great coach. So I felt like $10 was a fair price and you might disagree. Other people might disagree, but that's what I, um, that's what I valued it at. And in the last six months, I put it up $5. So, yeah, I mean like, so when it comes to charging for coaching, like, you really have to be invested into these clients. They are paying you money to get coached by them. You're, you're supposed to be, I mean, you are working for them. Mm. Um, and it's, it's just a difference because like I, I see there are team lifters that uh, I know and they're charging $90 a month. And that's US so dollars these, as well. That's, that's, that's even... US dollars as well. Holy yeah. shit. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And um, I mean, it's been uh, many, many of my, my friends and my peers, they're, they're telling me like, why is this person doing this? And I completely agree with them. Um, and they are not some, I mean, this person in particular, I'm not going to say his name if that's all right. Um, no, 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 fine, it's not, fine. Yeah, I do not think he has um, too much of a background when it comes to knowing how to program an athlete correctly. 
um he kind of does like a little bit more of the cloudy instagram um posting so he definitely um, values his followers values his following um but i don't think he goes out of his way to watch 90 minute webinars on how to do periodization and uh peak athletes um but i think because he has that following it it gives these people this impression that he's a good coach because mm. he has good numbers and um, he has the following to kind of back it up. So I think that that's what kind of um, influences people when they go onto his Instagram page or even Tyson's Instagram page and think, wow, this person has a great following. They're, um, they, have, um, they have good numbers. Maybe it looks like that I should be coached by them so I can have the same thing. And I don't know how much Tyson is charging. I hopefully nothing, but um, I don't think that it gives these people the right to coach if they have a strong influencing and that are just strong. I think the main mis- misconception is exactly what you're trying. You're saying is strength does not equal intelligence. Strength does not equal understanding of programming. There is almost zero correlation between the two. If you look at some of the strongest lifters. Um, they will say the stupidest things and not so much in the IPF, but like if you have a look at some of the big heavyweight, like uh, the small in a small federation, they have said some stupid stuff and it's like, um, yeah, it's, it, there's no, almost no. And especially at a young age, at a young age, I would say there's no correlation between strength and intelligence. I would say tw- being 20 and older, there's becomes more of a correlation just because, um, the beginner gains is worn off and and you actually have to go through that harder stage um but yeah i think uh sorry to interrupt but like i also think that people are getting coached for longer and they see what works and they see and yeah they, of course they gain information from their coaches especially mm-hmm. if you're coached by somebody like like sean or joey you you learn how to coach by being coached by them yeah so like if you were to coach i would um I would literally be fine if you said if you had told me like I'm coaching and I and I'm cheap. I'd be like, yeah, fine. You're coached by Sean. You're obviously intelligent. You um, you're trained like you're not a clout. You know what I'm saying? You're not lifting for Instagram. Um, and I think yeah, like like you said, um, it's either when you're young, you either do it very cheap or you do it for free. And yeah, I probably should have done it for longer for free. But I thought just because of how busy I was with just starting university, I thought for the couple of hours a week that it takes me to program and then on top of like the research that I do for it, I thought, I don't know what 10, you know, 15, it's like 10 bucks. So it's like, okay, I thought that was fair. Um, And I think, and I made a post about it on my podcast account. I'm not sure if you saw it. It was the big yellow post with the dark text about um, degrees. Yeah, and I think... um, that was a topic that I was quite passionate about because I think um, you can practice and learn. Obviously, you can become a powerlifting coach without any of any degree, without any certificate, whatever. Um, and I was told in America it's super super easy to get your personal training certificate, like over the weekend almost. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. Okay, so in Australia it's like a it's like a six month process. So like. I have to do all these reading modules and then I have to fill out the assessments and then you have to pass the assessments and then you have to do placement 
and then you get half of it done and then you do even more reading. This is just for personal training in a local gym. So I've done um, like four assessments, four case studies. I'll do 10 hours practical. And then I'll do like 15 modules of reading and then one test for each of those and then one case study for each of those and then 40 hours placement. And I'm about halfway... And you might think that that would raise higher quality of personal trainers, but it doesn't. Um, For example, as a test, because going into getting my certificate, so I'm halfway through it now, I went in and I attempted the, the quizzes without reading anything. So I went in as someone who's only been lifting for three years to get to the national certified level of personal trainers. And I passed all three quizzes without reading anything. So... It is still easy, and that's only the certificate three. Um, the cert four, which is what you need to be a trainer, uh, it, it take it's like four times as much placement and four times as much learning and quizzes. But yeah, uh, I think, and back onto the topic of what I was saying, uh, just researching online is just, it's simply, in my opinion, it's not going to be enough for you to make a career out of it. Obviously, like... Um, there's coaches who have. I don't know what Sean was studying at MIT. I can't remember what he was studying. Was it sport related? Uh, yeah, um, yeah. I think it was biomechanical uh, engineering. Okay. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, kind of related. Um, that's that's what I was saying. Like, if you're gonna make, a, if you want to make a career out of coaching, fine. You can read and experience whatever. It might take you five years to be. To, to take a lifter into a meet really, really well. It might take you that long to understand it. But if you, and obviously people don't want to pay for this sort of thing, but like I'm happy to pay for my um, personal trainer certificates on top of my degree, which is heaps of money as well, obviously, um, just because I want to be a coach so badly and I want to be a good coach so badly that it, it's any amount of money, it doesn't matter to me. It's what I want to do. So I think... Um, if you're coaching on the side because you're like, oh, I'm broken at university and I don't even want to be a powerlifting coach, I think that's where it's an issue. Um, for example, like Tyson, where it's obviously an on-the-side thing. It's obviously for money. It's very, very clear that it's for money. That's where it's an issue. I think, um, uh, and I don't want to sound like I'm trying to justify myself doing it, but yeah, I think the if you want to do it as a job, start as soon as possible. It's all about experience and then you on your own have to decide when you think it's worth people paying for it. And yeah. then, then that's obviously you have to make that decision about yourself. Yeah. And one person, um, I very much show, um, even if he's kind of annoying sometimes, Steven Singleton. Um, so he, he's, he's, I think he's 17 now, um, but um, he has uh, started his own coaching and everything. He's been doing it for free for quite some time. And um, he's definitely trying to soak up as much information as possible. And um, mm. and he's definitely he's definitely really learning how how to do periodization, how to uh, make blocks, and how to um, kind of manage athletes. And um, Sean has actually recognized this. And um, I don't know if, if I'm really allowed to say this, but um, I'm pretty sure they're going to start working together a little bit. And Stephen's going to go under Sean, and uh, Sean's going to kind of kind of help propel his um, learning how to coach and everything. So that, that's wow. really great for him. I'm yeah. not. I'm not so, familiar with what, what's his name. Stephen who? Singleton. Okay, Stephen I'm not familiar. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, he doesn't post too much. But yeah, good. 
Well, that's, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, he's 17, young, obviously not old enough to be at university. So, like, literally all he can do is just get experience. And, yeah, I commend anyone who's doing that. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah good on him, I think. What about you? Are you going to try to get into that? Um, so, I've done a little bit of coaching um, of some some people from around here, people that go to my high school. Um, but I haven't really, I don't really see myself having that experience just yet to really start making blocks and giving it out to people, at least people through Instagram. I don't want to market that on mm-hmm. Instagram, uh, right now, especially if I'm not somebody, I don't want to mess anybody up. I don't want to pull a Tyson in this case. That's why I'm uh, strictly, that's why I'm strictly not, I don't have it in my bio. It's like, I message people privately that I went to school with or that I know personally, and they're all, they actually are all from my school. So they know yeah. me as a person and that's how I've, yeah, market myself because yeah. I know I'm not worth the DM for coaching in bio. I'm not worth that yet. Yeah. So, And it's almost like you can experiment on them. You can see what works mm. um, and you can apply that to when you actually do want people to reach out to you and you, you can gain a lot of experience just from newbie, newbie lifters that are just mm. trying things out. And you're learning. I mean, you can learn a lot from um, like both sides of a client if he's, um, if he's, if he reaches out to you all the time, sends you his training, one that um, is a little bit um, doesn't really send you his training, and he just kind of uh, goes about his workouts. Mm. That is certainly something that I've come across with with a few different guys. the The different personalities is something. So, like, <clears throat> um, one is super keen and uh, wants to swap his days around and, and train early, and it's fine. Like, I love that he's enjoying what I'm writing for him and whatever. There's another one um, that... I don't want to open my mouth. Uh, there's... Okay, well, one of them's my, like one of my best mates, so I don't even know if yeah. he'll watch, um, that will just go off program if he's going to train with some of the boys. So then I have to count... I count... Okay, well, we'll drop... We'll probably he says he only did this many other exercises, but I'm gonna drop volume next week because I think he's probably fatigued himself. And then there's another one that has come from oh, so one of my hardest challenges so far um, with coaching was one guy wants to get into strength training. So none of these guys are powerlifters; they just um, we're just doing general strength and hypertrophy, just very simple principles. Um, they're not gonna compete or anything like that. So I'm definitely not comfortable programming for someone who's about to k- compete uh but one of the challenges i faced so far was um a guy that does morning crossfit so he'll go and train in the morning i'm assuming fasted and do crossfit with his family or whatever it was um and then he wanted to strength train in the afternoon so and then obviously with crossfit you don't write your own stuff i think the place does it for you so like you can't say oh i'm gonna deadlift monday morning because if he was gonna deadlift monday morning at crossfit i probably would have put his deadlift on his deadlift with me on friday but it's random so i've had to like really carefully ease him into volume and then see where his because i'm assuming he's going to be fine 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 and then fatigue and it's going to be like that just because and that's something that like I would never have you can't read about that that's something that you can't you have to just do it and you have to experience it and it has been a challenge but I think he's um decided that he wants to just uh ease off the crossfit so that makes it easier but yeah it is something that you have to experience yeah and I mean um I've learned from my friend Steven and from many coaches and from 
what um, some of my friends have showed me from like Joey or Joe, it all seems like it's kind of the same formula um, in how they program where it's kind of three squat days, uh, four bench days and two deadlift days. On one of the squat days, it's a variation um, and two of them are kind of a little bit more like comp. Um, one's a little bit more higher in reps, another one's a little bit lower in reps. And then we have, uh, then we have bench, where it's probably like uh, two comp days and then two variation days, um, where you can kind of um, space that out uh, mm -hmm. just after squat. And then, um, and then deadlift, of course, it's one comp day and one variation day, where you're doing like a four by four or something on pause deadlifts. Yeah. So, it, I mean, and I've seen this on even like on all these uh, big coaches like programs, it's all pretty much the same unless there's some sort of thing that's kind of hindering mm -hmm. uh, your progress with that, they'll kind of adjust it. But Obviously, it's a lot more complicated than most people think. And people yeah. still seem to do it. It's the whole thing with like cookie cutter programs. It's like, mm -hmm. I saw a comment on it. There's an Australian powerlifting Facebook group. And it was like, hey, have you guys tried this this program, whatever it was called? Some It's always some stupid name. And I just commented. I said, provided that money is not an issue, I can only recommend so much that you get a coach there is if money is not an issue there is no benefit to running a cookie cutter program because even when you start with a coach it's going to take them a while to understand how much volume you can handle uh i've been with my coach for 13 months and only in the last three four months we're really hitting the nail on the head with progressing with the minimal like the smallest amount of volume so if, if you can progress off deadlifting once a week deadlift once a week there's no need to go two. when yeah. when one stops working put a second one in that's my that's at least my approach to it that's what i've learned from my coach um so for me one deadlift a week two squats oh no sorry i'm deadlifting twice a week so usually i would deadlift once but now i have an spd day as well so my frequency is uh, two squats, three benches, two deadlifts. And uh, if bench doesn't go to plan with this meet, I'm going to say, hey, can I have a fourth bench day? Because I feel like uh, I'm at that point where I'm not really that fatigued at the end of the week for bench. Like my third bench day sort of moves the same as the second one and, and they move almost as good as the first one. So I feel like I could have a fourth day. Uh, but I think one thing that you're not going to get with cookie cutter programs. And, and obviously there's a reason that they're shit and everyone knows it is like, they're yeah. not, they're not made for you. They can't adjust for your fatigue, your external fatigue as well. School, whatever, yeah. family stuff, whatever. Whereas a coach can. And that's why I feel like if you're going to be picking a coach, don't go to someone who's clout lifting for Instagram. You'll know who they are. Um, your coach, there, there are some very simple principles like, progressing with the minimalist amount of volume that not i feel like people don't really apply and that's yeah. like how injuries occur and then that accumulative fatigue sets in earlier than the, they they want to it's because maybe maybe you could progress off one deadlift session but you're doing three and it's mm -hmm. like why why it's like they'll ask you oh explain why i should do only do one it's like no explain why we should do three if one's working why should we do three that's great. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, like cookie cutter programs. Like, um, personally, I don't know how much experience you've you had with cookie cutter programs when you were first starting out, but um, I most definitely, I most definitely did. And um, especially when I first started out, I followed like uh, David Lady put out a DUP and like. I was um, on that. I was on that. Um, oh, that yeah. Yeah, it yeah. was like one dollar a month or whatever. 
Well, I, I found I like pirated it off like a YouTube video. Oh yeah, me too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then like it was like the first workout of it where like he just had you do just like so much volume and like um, it just it's, yeah it for no reason is so much volume and it's not meant for everybody. Hmm. It's meant for him. Like this is what he's learned. And, and like video, go ahead. No, no, you go. Sorry, I'll go after. Okay. Um, but funny enough, that's where I, I had my first real like hamstring injury, like my first mm. session on David Blade DVD. Um and it messed me up for months because I, I was so new to powerlifting. I had no idea how to manage an injury, so I just kept kind of like pushing it until like I um, just like watched like more YouTube videos, which I'm, I'm actually very happy I got injured uh, early on because it, it taught me a lot about um, recovery and it taught me a lot about the sport and just being like a technician with the lifts um instead of ego lifting which which what which was what i was doing mm. and then funny enough right as i got uninjured um i started running the like kaizen infinite off season by uh, like omar Yusuf and those guys but um i just didn't give myself the rest that i needed and uh i got injured again mm. and uh that's kind of when i i knew it was time to to get a coach so i think I think the difference between getting a coach and um, cookie cutter programs is this, the guy's going to keep you accountable. It's somebody that you can follow. It's somebody you can trust. You don't really have to, because for me, I would just like kind of do a program for a little while, but then I get tired of it. I didn't think it was working. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really um, being disciplined of following all the way through. So, yeah. I think, uh, so everyone, I'm going to assume everyone our age was inspired by David Lane and Dylan when they were back in Jersey yeah. at that, at that, that, that gym that didn't even have, like they were, you know, the gym I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, everyone was, this, but David, that doesn't mean he can write programs. Like doesn't mean he can write like that dude. If anything, the amount of injuries he's had has shown that he can't write programs. So it's like, and at the time, a really bad coach. who was his coach? Um, Oh my gosh! Uh, I am completely. Oh, confused. I know the guy. He got a ar- he got arrested. He got arrested. Yeah. That that uh, pedophile or whatever, whoever it was. Yeah. yeah. Um, he had like a f- uh, his Instagram handle was like not his name. It was like, or just his first name was. But I know exactly who you're talking about. Um, yeah, yeah. Lex. And, oh no. Um, John and Riley Palfio or whatever his name is did the video on him, and they were talking about like the bribing that's a whole other thing um yeah it, just because yeah. he is strong and the king of aesthetics and he's gym shark it does not mean he can write programs um and obviously they're all cookie cutter as well but that's like the example and i think um it was the way they were doing it was kind of harmless and that it was a dollar a month or a dollar a week whatever and they would just put up daily workouts and um yeah like fine if you're like because i can see why i did it at the time at the time i was like yeah i want to get strong david laid looks big and he's strong uh and, and these workouts are fun and i'll do them that's the whole re- like it, it's not it's not that's kind of harmless but um what program are you talking about are you talking about his push pull leg one that he wrote it's like a block no, so um, I know exactly which one you were talking about, and it was just like this free, um, this free one that he had on his website. Um, but there was so he launched right before he like took his long hiatus off YouTube. Um, it was just like called like David Lee. You actually had to like pay for it. I'm pretty sure it was like twenty dollars. 
um, and you get like an ebook with it, and it just it just was a glorified cookie cutter program. Mm. And um, but there there was just like a YouTube video where it's like you had the same name, you can just get it for free. And you put yeah, it I do that as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just it's crazy stuff. I think um, there's certainly like the uh, and in that post i made on on the the podcast account there's like that the dunning kruger effect and my coach showed it to me um he actually showed it to me when a local trainer laughed in my face uh so i said on my instagram story uh this is what i'm going to hit this year and this local powerlifter uh i guess you could say know it all uh he actually laughed in my face he's like oh you're joking right you're not going to hit that this year and I was like, yeah, I want to hit it in December. And I ended up hitting it in December. Uh, and without, and now I, I'm a much better lifter anyway. what That's a different story. Um, and, and my coach showed me this thing. It's the Dunning-Kruger effect. And, and I'm not sure if you looked at the graph and the post, but it's, um, I know. So the first part is I know nothing, but I think I know everything. And, and that's all the way up here. And then it's down and it's, um, I don't know anything and I know I don't know anything. So it's um, unconsciously incompetent and then consciously incompetent and then consciously competent up here. So this is where Sean and Joey and everyone is. And then I think I think, um, I'm, I think I'm down here and that I know that I don't know much about it and I know that I need experience. And then I think up here is everyone who is promoting cookie cutter or promoting their coaching based off a strapped deadlift single on bumpers and 20k followers and yeah. i think the the most important thing is just getting past that first stage because if you're up here in uh unconsciously incompetent and you start injuring people with high volume that's just crazy like you want to get past that first stage as soon as possible you want to learn off other coaches you want to um, get your certs or, or learn through, start reading, like whatever it is, you need to get to that because that's where every coach is going to start. You're going to start at that consciously incompetent part where you know you don't know anything or you know very little and you know that you have the capacity to learn. And that's, in my opinion, uh, that's the most important thing. And like I said before, I pride myself on the fact that I know that I'm down there um, yeah. and I want to get up here. And I think the 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 like the the whole idea of the clout lifting and stuff is that you're up here in that consciously unconsciously incompetent and injury or a coach telling you off or one of your clients getting injured is going to bring you down whatever it might be it's going to bring you down and something's going to do it and when it happens it usually sucks and yeah. unfortunate as that is it does happen a lot yeah and um, what's kind of funny about that, um, uh, the graph you just kind of illustrated in my mind, um, was um, the coach that was coaching um, David and Lex and Sawyer and um, all those guys. Um, I think his Instagram name was Half Blood Hobbit. Yeah, that's uh, it. I can't like his um, IRL name. Mm. But um, him, well, all those guys, among with um, some of his other clients that I talk to now, um, nearly all of them got injured. I mean, they all had crazy deadlifts. Like if you, if you look at any of them, they definitely, they all progressed significantly on the deadlift more than any of, of Sawyer, David, oh, Lex. Yeah. 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 And um, even if you know, Max Strasny, 
when he was coached by oh Elliot Atwell. His name is Elliot Atwell. That's that's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we we can we can drop his name on here because I'm pretty sure they dropped his court conviction. Oh yeah, so he, he, we're allowed to. Done. Is he in jail, <laughs> or is he yeah, not? I, no, I think he may be out right now. I, I I don't know the exact I mean, specifics. And now. well, I don't know the specifics of the 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 case either. But uh, yeah. I was very interested in it because at the time I was studying law in high school, so I was very interested in the case. Um, but from the video that um, John and I think it was John and Riley and some, their mate made, uh, it was like I feel like they had enough screenshots to put him away as because like as a legitimate child predator, like the stuff oh, he was yeah. saying it was horrible like uh and obviously there's so only so much that you can say on youtube so only so much that they could say and certainly stuff that they couldn't show but like the fact that that exists within the strength community and he was exploiting kids like yeah and they were the top as well at the time those are the only guys doing it um mm. a few years ago when like you know alex and aiden and you and me and blah blah, blah wheeze whatever none of the like the 18-year-olds at the time weren't really... It wasn't as big of a thing. Those were the guys who were doing it. Everyone was looking up to Lex and Sawyer, and they still do, but like... Mm. And all that time, those guys were being exploited by a powerlifting coach, if that's what you're going to call him. It's just yeah. insane. And to think that those guys at the... Like, with the whole thing with Gymshark, like, it's crazy that... I would I would understand if random kids were getting it done to them but these were the the, the top guys yeah and like i don't know how much like he helped them with their marketing or uh whatever but it seemed like if you got coached by him it, it was practically like a gym shark athlete generator almost mm. and um, i mean all those guys they've got incredibly uh, big followings from doing the same thing just posting their lifts and they were also posting pictures of them in their underwear that just like you don't want to see that mm. and it was it was just it was so bad for the longest time and I, I think like people like Sawyer and um, maybe Lex but but most of the other people that are, used to be coached by um, by Elliot they've definitely like toned it down and they're definitely a little bit mm. more um, wholesome on their Instagram well just recently Lex put up a screen recording of him taking down all of his like um, like you said pictures uh Oh, that's great. Confronting pictures. Well, it was like this screen recording of him taking down like all his pictures with his shorts pulled up or like in his undies or whatever. Um, And I, one thing I really respect about Sawyer is that he, as far as I know, he was never like that. Um, I, I, I don't know. I never really think of Lex as a powerlifter, even though he has competed. Um, But yeah, Sawyer sort of like, and he's not sponsored by Gymshark, which was a surprise to me. I thought he was. Um, he sticks, seems to stick in his own lane. He's very humble. I feel like there's no clout lifting, and obviously, under Sean, it's hard to do that because he's gonna come down on oh, you. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, yeah. But he'll, he'll call you out. Most yeah, definitely. yeah. Like the thing that I like. So Sawyer could, um, Sawyer could, with the amount of followers he has, he could start coaching, and maybe he, maybe he would be a good coach. But it's like in he didn't go down that road of, Oh, I have followers. I'll coach for money. It's like, I'll make a cool hoodie with my, 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 my signature Santa Cruz hoodie, which is sick. And I think that's a great idea. Um, I actually would love one of those. Cause I remember watching him, uh, a couple, like maybe a year or two ago, pulling 700 in, in the Santa Cruz hoodie. And it's like respect to him for not exploiting 
his followers and instead he has created a product and that's actually benefiting benefiting people in the most harmless way so yeah. that's great um yeah. that, i feel like stories came come a long way mm. um i mean when he was coached by elliot um his his deadlift blew up i mean his bench not so much his squat not so much but um his deadlift, if anything it blew up but then what happened was um it just it just stayed still it did not progress mm. for the longest time and um i don't know if it was just injuries or what but um it's that's kind of like when um the tables kind of turned for him and he started following the new path and um he got coached by sean i remember like we me and uh or sorry and i we both got coached by sean relatively um close to uh, the same time and um and um, what I liked about Sawyer's transition into kind of this more like power lifter and uh, kind of a little bit more adult version of himself is that um, he's just, he's taking training more seriously. He's, train, mm. he's taking his um, Instagram and following a lot more seriously. He realized that he's an impact on these people. Mm. Um, even if he's not the most um, grammatically correct on some of his, uh, his posts, um yeah he squatted and he's like this is 160 kilo squat (laughs) i was like it was like 250 i was like how do you even stuff that up if you put that into google like conversion if he does to kilos how does he but yeah i that's like that's something like that is it that just adds on my respect for him that like he's not taking it super serious he can laugh at himself when he stuffs up a caption and like yeah um i actually messaged him to to get him on here and he said yes and then i um because he doesn't follow me, he, he might not see my DM uh, asking when. He said he was keen and I'd love to have him on. But yeah, because I really respect him in that way that uh, I think one thing is getting coached by Sean is very humbling in that. Oh, yeah. And I don't know what he does to you guys to make you guys also humble, but uh, it's certainly a trend that I'm noticing that and the being humble thing is saying that when I see it on Instagram, I really admire it because it's so hard not to brag on Instagram for some people at least. Um, and, and so someone like you or Sawyer, whatever, it's like when I see a caption that's like, oh, you know, or there's no arguments in the comments, it's just refreshing. It's nice to see the community being positive rather than people arguing in the comments or like as entertaining as it is to put something on your story like about some lifter, like um, when you have hundred, like thousands of followers, it's like, just it, it gets old. I mean... Yeah, and it's a hard thing to do right. Because yeah. so many people, they just make the mistake of trying to voice their opinion where like you really don't really have a place to voice it or you're just not really creating a great argument and you're kind of shooting yourself in, in your foot. And kind of when we're talking about, we're talking about uh, reputations. Um, this is just kind of people, if you're going to be like, creating all these arguments or you're going to be calling people out or you're making fun of people on your Instagram and you don't really have a place to do this. If you're going to want to start your own company or uh, do whatever, people are just like, oh, this is the person that tries to clown people on Instagram yeah. or make fun of people. So you're kind of just doing a disservice to yourself. Yeah. I think um, with me, like uh, I got, um, I've, I'm on a contract with my federation for this year because like they, um, they help me out with powerlifting and stuff. It's like a sponsorship. Uh, and now obviously with the podcast, I have to be very careful with what I say. So like, Definitely. and even on the podcast, like, um, 
obviously controversy creates attention but i don't want to do that like i could sit on here all day and say who's toxic and who's annoying and blah 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 and i and the only reason i brought up tyson was because i think it's generally unsafe for people um but yeah you you certainly have to be very careful what you say and i'm a very outspoken person in real life and i hope i don't come across that way on my instagram i like to keep my captions nice and emotionless and just this is the way this is the way this is how it felt oh remind me remind me to talk about rpes um this is the way this is the actual rp that it was and not someone that i just made i didn't drop it to rps for instagram uh and then and maybe like a sentence about how it felt and then you know whatever you know it's not like a some big flex or whatever it's just like just if you're gonna post just post say what rpe was and go away like we don't care about anything else um yeah if, if you don't need to do a paragraph in your caption oh my god if i wanted to read a paragraph i would just watch your youtube channel like yeah if, if you have a youtube channel and you're still writing paragraphs in your caption on a regular basis fine everyone's you know when you make your comp post whatever do a big paragraph okay, yeah that, that's but like a bit different. yeah of course and i'll do the annoying post in four oh, weeks yeah. um yeah. but it's like yeah if you have a youtube channel and you're still putting big annoying captions on you have to realize if we cared, we would watch your YouTube. Yeah. It's like, so, and, and talk all you want in your YouTube video, but God, just, and, and crop your videos as well. <laughs> I'm sick of seeing you sniffing ammonia, walking up to the bar, adjusting your socks and your belt. Just fucking yeah. crop your videos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Um, and then kind of like my, my, my favorite thing I see on Instagram is when people say, it was easier than it looked like nine times out of 10, you are lying to yourself. Oh my God. It is easier than it looked. No, that's just not true. I mean, there's there's two elements. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's, there's sometimes. Yeah. Sorry. No, I harder. It's harder than it looked. Yeah. Where like, yeah. And I mean like there's been plenty of times where that's happened to me where like I'll do a set and I'm like, wow, that was really hard. And then I see the video and like it looks so much better and then i watch like a day later i'm like oh my gosh that was so easy mm. um but i don't know people just lie to themselves and this is me god off. there's so many people like i saw a post yesterday and it was like rp6 and it looked like a nine like genuinely look like the, a grind and it's like would you really have done four more reps like yeah your coach is seeing that you're gonna look back yeah. on you're gonna look back on that and think that was a six and like base your opinion off it like it's fine if if you're not so the only the reason i can think of two reasons insecure and and sort of feeling uh weak compared to other people and i totally understand that like um my lifts might be impressive for my age if i was 83 kilos if i was benching 100 170 at 83 but i'm not i'm 110 so i can understand the feeling um for example like when i had aiden and alex on and well, actually, everyone I've had on so far has been, oh, I, I, most of you have been lighter than me. And it's like, yeah, I can understand being insecure because they're lighter and stronger. And it's like, okay, maybe that's why you'd lie about your RPs. And then the other one that I can think of is, you know that you're strong. You know that you're stronger than 99% of other people. And you're just a dick and you want to flex it just that little bit more. Yeah, I squatted 270 today or 250. Uh and I'm going to lie about the RP so that you guys feel even worse about it. And it's like, either way, you look like a fool. <laughs> yeah. And there's two, element, there's two elements to RPE. 
there's the way that it felt and the way that it looked. And I think it's certainly like, like for example, um, my deadlift single, every time I watch the video, I think, oh, that was a six, not a seven. I think it's easier. I'm a serial undershooter. Uh, and it's like... Which is a better place to be than a serial overshooter. Well, that's the thing. With training conservative all year, I've stayed injury free. And I'm going to do an episode with my coach and talk about our approach to it. I think uh, he definitely has some important views that people need to hear. But it's like, I train conservative all year. I don't care what you guys on Instagram think, or how boring it is, whatever. I train conservative, I don't get injured, I build a good base, maybe it's 5% slower than it could be if I trained at the higher RPEs, but then you run that risk of injury. And then I go to meet day and I hit, this comp is going to be like a 50 kilo meet PR in six months, and it's conservative, that's the key, that's at least for me, and, and the way that I'm going to approach my coaching, and the way that I want to train is that conservative way of training. Um, I would much rather undershoot than overshoot. And I think there are some people who would rather overshoot. Yeah. And they mostly just do it for the clicks. That's what I mean. Like what's an extra five kilos going to look like on Instagram? Who cares? Like at the end of the day, you might care about a post for 10 seconds while you look at it. Maybe you comment and then you scroll past and forget about it. Like, you know, yeah. at least for me, that's how I feel about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I like to I like to save my opinions for the podcast so that when I come on the podcast, I have plenty to talk about instead of posting about it on my story or in comment sections. Um, some things yeah. some things need immediate attention, like Tyson's post on King of the Lifts. I had to <laughs> had to get in there and have my opinion. But yeah, my, like I save it for this because I think and that's the whole idea of the podcast. But yeah, yeah, that's great. What about your opinion on people blaming their height for holding them back? What do you think about that? Okay, so I have a lot. I have a lot to speak about this topic. I will try to keep it pretty concise. Um, so, being a person that is six three, I mean both of us. Um, when um, I first started powerlifting, um, so many people went up to me like, "Nah, you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be doing this sport. You're never going to be strong in this sport. You're never. Be, you're never going to be competitive." And um, I mean, at, at the start, I was just kind of like, um, I mean, it was. Um, discouraging and um, it didn't really make me feel too great when I was lifting but I mean there I mean it's just kind of like do what you can with your genetics you know and I don't think that I think so many people are using it as an excuse like oh I'm tall I can't be strong or I can't be competitive mm. like um, I mean for us it's all about filling out our frames mm. and it's something that I personally had a lot of um, my, my journey from being 160 pounds at the start of uh, high school to now being uh, 200, uh, 203, 204 pounds, um, filling up my frame progressively, just getting bigger has helped me tremendously, mm. um, staying injury free and just being stronger in general. Um, so I, I think that so many people are just kind of lazy because they see it at the, they see it at the start where they don't have much muscle mass. Um, and they're just kind of this skinny, tall, slender man looking figure. And, um, and they're, they're just kind of using it as an, as an excuse saying, I'm, I'm too tall for this sport and um, not really giving it the attention or the, the drive mm -hmm. that you could really be giving it to um, max out your, your genetics. Well, well, for example, let's break it down a little bit. Look at Ray Williams. Yeah. He's six foot, I think. So he's taller than most lifters because I, um, 
let's say the average person is like five eight nine whatever so he's oh, best best how tall would you i have no idea the average powerlifter oh yes yeah. yeah yeah average powerlifter sorry i mean average person but average powerlifter that's that's more accurate so let's say five seven is the average powerlifter i know sean is because um when Thomas i met is five six he who is five six he lied. He he must have lied to me then. I DM'd him about this shirt, and I was like, "Hey, uh, do you think I got the right size? I got too extra large." <laughs> I, I said, "I got, I got, I got two XL." I was like, "Hey, can you show me who else is wearing a two XL? I just want to make sure I got the right size." He's like, "You're the first two XL." That's the only flex that I want to have is that I was his first two extra large. <laughs> yeah. um, and he's like, I'm 5'7", 83 kilos. Like, <laughs> I, I knew he was 83 kilos. I don't know why he told me. But, and then yeah, he said he was 5'7". Yeah. Okay, so Sean lied that he... <laughs> um, yeah. It's so funny because I, I was talking to him um, after my meet and he was... Uh, I'm sorry, Sean, if you buy, or if you by any chance are listening to this. Oh, I'll so tag him. Back- I'm going to tag him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were in the back of... Um, Oxidor's car and um, he's saying yeah so you know like um i'm i'm like five 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 six but you know on like uh, on dating apps not saying that he's using dating apps but he's like on dating apps i think i would put myself as like five seven so, so i just think definitely like I, I think you gotta own it like i don't know if you know yeah. t- tmg um cody and noel do you yeah, know this yeah so like short yeah, king's yeah, yeah, anthem yeah. you just gotta own it like that's yeah, yeah. but okay so um sean lied about his height what else are we talking about um oh so ray williams he's like six foot and he's the best squatter in the world you have a look at thor best oh okay sorry eddie if you have a look at eddie best deadlifter in the world i still refuse to admit that thor's better um and then if you look at like the best i don't know who the best oh like uh what's his face with the big bench what's his name julius um julius maddox he's like six brandon told me he's a giant and like taller than Brandon. Brandon's six two, so let's. I'm gonna guess he's like six four at least. And it's like, yeah, those are all huge guys. They all have heaps of body fat. Those guys that I just named, but they're all tall. They're all taller than us. They're all, you know, heaps taller than everyone else. A whole foot taller than most people. And it's like, uh, I, I've certainly found in my squat that maybe my height is holding me back a little bit just in my squat, just because I have long legs. It's not my height. It's that I have long femurs. Yeah, um, you have a longer way to, to travel. Yes. Like- yeah. And it's like, um, in bench, I don't really feel it. I'm going to guess that you feel it in bench with the long arms. Yeah. And I think it's just, I mean, I don't know how much of it's just the long arms. I think it's just, I don't have that much muscle mass just mm. yet. I think I need to maximize uh, my back and my chest and, um, my arms maybe a little bit more and I'll just be a better bencher mm. but um, definitely just being a skinny and tall at the same time yeah. has made it so uh, my yeah. bench is definitely good. I yeah. think I think if you're if you like if you can admit like we just I just said it sort of holds me back in my squad and you think maybe it holds you back a little bit in your bench like that's I think that's fine uh, I certainly would rather be six foot and still be tall but be a better powerlifter but i think it's definitely not if you're weak if you're tall and weak the reason you're weak is not because you're tall it's because you didn't do enough hypertrophy or whatever it's it's always your fault at the end of the day but it's like if you're tall you just do like do volume in the off season do a heap fill out your frame fill out your frame so that that extra range of motion is accompanied by extra muscle 
and you can yeah. and you can do it. It's like I see people post, oh yeah, but I'm like tall. It's like, but who, who said? Like you just yeah. think you just think that it's hard because you're taller than most powerlifters. No one's telling yeah. you that it's harder. Like I say uh, in my squat, I, maybe my height is holding me back just a little bit, but I don't feel necessarily feel it while I'm doing a one rep max. I'm not gonna. Oh my god, this is such a long way because it's it's subjective. I'm tall, yeah. so I that yeah. extra range of motion for me is like you know. Um, yeah. you don't feel it while you're training. You you just think it's a mental barrier. Like, um, for example, one thing in my bench, like I have average arms, and uh, with the long legs, there's not much room under the bench for my long legs. So I have to put and I have to adjust for it. But it's like while I'm benching, I don't feel it. It just feels like yeah. my form. You don't feel it. To so the people who say. Uh, and there's some people who blame it on their height. It's like, you, no, you you don't feel it. Uh, if you've if you've adjusted your form adequately, you don't feel your height. It's just yeah. simple and facts. If at, uh, yeah. And if you look at uh, if you look at was it Shane Hunt, mm. the, just like the behemoth. Yes, yeah. that I man mean, is a that monster. Guy's, that guy's pretty tall. Yeah. So and like he is just a beef. He's just a beefy man. Yeah. So I, I think that. I think that uh, he's a great example of what it looks like to fill out your frame. Hmm. Maybe, maybe a little bit unnaturally, but um, yeah. Well, I think but, he he competes untested, so I mean, it yeah. goes without saying. Why would you compete untested? But yeah, I, I like I said before, I'd love to look like Shane, and and I think if you if you, I think it's important like to have a physique goal as well. Obviously, body comp and that is important for health and whatnot. Uh, but if you have a body goal, it's like. It's not just that I want to get stronger. It's I want to get bigger and I want to look like that. They're going to help each other. Like if you, if you, um, it's just like simple stuff like, oh, I want bigger biceps. That's better grip strength and that's uh, elbow health and, and, and potentially some wrist health as well. It's like they all, it's the little things too that come with that. And I don't even want to say power building because it's a stupid term. It's like just, it's like just do your accessories with the same effort that you would do your main lifts and obviously there's like a time and a place you don't want to cook yourself on dumbbell press two days before you have a heavy bench but like in moderation go hard on your accessories because arguably they'll be more important than your main lifts not more important but you know equally as important yeah yeah and um i mean being a team lifter i see all these kids that are they are pretty tall but they don't have a lot of muscle mass and they're deciding to stay in these lower weight classes just because they're competitive now. Mm. They're not really. Oh, they're they're cutting they're cutting like four maybe like three and a half kilos for a meet, and they're just putting themselves at such a disservice. Like maybe you'll be competitive for that year, but then next year you're going to get killed by the kids that are a little bit shorter than you but have mm. so much more muscle mass. Than mm. I think so many people are just not doing themselves right in just deciding to stay in these lower weight classes when they could be gaining so much more muscle mass looking out to the future when they're in the open where these guys are massive. I mean, if you look at anybody that's competitive in the open, their frames are filled out and they're, um, they're, they're just large, large men for their mm. size. Oh man. I'll say it again. If you are cutting to come ninth, just stop. You're doing the wrong yeah. thing. If you're cutting for a meet and you're not placing top five at a local meet, I don't know. In Australia, like the outcomes are really small, so like I'll place even though my lifts are relatively unimpressive for 110, I'll probably come like second 
in because there's just not many people who compete here. But like if you're if you're cutting and you're not placing top five, um, and not because you stuffed up on the day, but just simply because you aren't strong enough, just stop cutting, compete up a weight class, fill out, and then maybe stay there or maybe eventually cut back. And it's like there's no reason you're just hindering yourself. You're just losing. I'm going to assume that inexperienced cutters lose uh, muscle mass as well. Like if you do it wrong, it's not just going to be water. It's going to be muscle as well. And it's like at the end of the day, getting stronger is not, you don't get stronger on comp day. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, you know, you, you're not going to hit your macros on comp day. You're going to be super, super tired. It's, you don't get stronger on comp day. So, why lose all that progress in weight and you know whatever just to maybe hit some prs and then start the next training block three steps back just like in my opinion it's like unless you're like i said competitive unless you're in like top three of your team team class if you are a sub junior that's the that is the chance to go to the world IPF world championships. I do not think you should be cutting mm. for me. It's like compete that. up, have fun, have your, get your experience. Yeah. If, if you're not going to, if you're not winning, if you're not placing, let's assume you don't have that much experience with competitions, get experience. Don't cut, start your next training block at a healthy weight with a healthy, but unfatigued body. Cause you didn't just ruin yourself on comp day. And then make your progress there. Like I said, it's you're not going to get stronger on comp day. Maybe you experience or technique, but strength, I don't. You know, obviously, a one rep max, you know. But it's just not worth it, in my opinion. It's just not worth it. Yeah, and I think I think it really just comes down to where you are competitively. And mm. if you're in the open, I mean, it makes sense for people like Sean and Russ yeah. and um, all the people that are maybe like three kilo over their weight class to make these cuts because they can um they're they're so good at recomping and they're so good at getting back to their training weight within that two hour time frame and um so many people are so bad and so misinformed on how to do water cuts correctly at uh, at a young age and Mm. i I see it i see it so often where team lifters try to do water cuts and um then you'll get the good old the meat didn't go as planned oh man we're literally running out of time but i could that stuff like that that it didn't go as planned in my opinion i'll try to quickly do it um your, your nutrition was shit your recovery was shit you didn't cut properly you overshot all training block you opened too heavy you didn't take uh good enough warm-ups in the waiting room that's what goes through my head when someone says it didn't go as planned those are the seven things that go through my head you did all those things wrong of course it didn't go as planned on meat day like we watched you train. You posted your training. All you didn't. Oh, the biggest one is you didn't train to comp standards. That's the biggest one. Yeah, and most of the time it's just like I'm gonna make this really quick too. Uh, most of the time it's just not listening to your body on comp day. You're like if your handler's like, oh, what, what are you looking for the next jump? You'll just you'll have these numbers that you have in mind that you've been wanting to hit in this comp for so long, mm. and um, you're just gonna be you're just gonna be playing yourself, and you're not going to be able to hit those if you're just not listening to your body. And that's what mm. I love about Sean. My meet where I want to hit these numbers, but Sean kind of humbled me, and it definitely it made the meet go as right as planned. Uh, we went nine for nine. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, there's um oh so many things I could just talk about forever because it just annoys me. Like I literally just started this podcast because uh, I was listening to a podcast and I was thinking about King of the Lifts, and I was like, oh, 
there's not that many powerlifting podcasts. There's uh, obviously Angelo runs a great one and King of the Lifts. Um, I listened to a King of the Lifts podcast, but like the audio was whack and like, and I was like, oh, okay, I want to do this too and I want to do it really well. So I, I put a lot of effort into it, but um, that's the whole thing is like, I'm just a powerlifter just like anyone else and uh, maybe a little bit more outspoken and then that, it makes it makes for some good content. But yeah, that's... um. Yes. And if um, you should check out a spicy PL podcast on Instagram, it's made by Joe Capolino. He's a, a quips lifter. Yeah. And it, they talk about some really controversial stuff. Yeah. And um, it's a really good time. So I've listened I, to everything. I like his account. I laugh at those memes, but I didn't know he had a podcast. Yeah. So funny. And oh, man. It, it's really well produced. Too. I'll, I'll check yeah. it out. I'll check it out for sure. Uh, do you have meets planned for this year? Uh, I asked you before, but remind me. And then, because obviously you've got plenty to talk about, I'd love to have you back on as well. Uh, what yeah. meets are you planning to do this year? Yeah, so uh, I'm planning once again to do uh, teen nats um, and teen slash high school nationals. I'll be competing in both. Yep. Um, and it's the same day, and um, it's just it's going to be a great time. So that's and- going to be in uh, May 30th in Aurora, Colorado. Okay, and then do you have like a national, like is there like one later in the year, like a bigger comp that you're going to do? Yeah, so um, that'll be my first semester of university. So I'll be with Mm. uh, Northeastern University Powerlifting. Um, And so I'll probably make my 105 debut around then. What are you studying? Um, I'll be studying business uh, with a concentration in entrepreneurship. Oh, awesome, man. Um, Oh, one thing we didn't talk about was... uh, your business that you want to start we'll get that in now and then we'll wrap it up after what, what what's yeah, yeah, your yeah. business so, so um i'm gonna be starting a business it's gonna be uh, it's called slack pull socks and it's a premium deadlift stock company well that's i'll i'll be your first if i'll be i'll buy i'll buy for sure <laughs> yeah, um awesome. what's uh what's the process going to be like for that uh i have little business knowledge so i, I wouldn't yeah, so, know um, so i don't want to give too much of it away Mm. Um, just yet because it's still in very much of the early stages. We have uh, a logo developed and everything, but um, kind of what inspired this um, this product was I see all these people with their um, colorful, notorious lift uh, slippers, and they're wearing these. They're either wearing no deadlift socks at all and scraping mm. up their shins, or they're just wearing like the typical black and red, and like they're just they just don't look good on the platform, you know. Can you so, give some to Garrett Fear, please? Can you just give him some deadlift socks because I'm <laughs> I'm sick of seeing his ripped up shins on my Instagram. Yeah, I'll have to get around to that. I, that's but, but yeah. So like I see like the like some of the different color schemes that they have, and they don't really have anything to match their their kit, I guess, mm. for their meets. So I, I'm looking to make some deadlift socks kind of to match some of those color schemes so people can look good on meet day and be that, protected on the That's awesome, man, because, and then obviously there's the whole thing of getting it approved for meets, but I'm sure you have that under control. Um, and socks, I mean, that's the easiest thing to get approved. Yeah. Because they just have to be knee high. There's literally nothing else mm. that um, it comes to approving it on the IPF list. I think like with the Notorious, like uh, I have like a local brand and I definitely want to get some Notorious slippers and I just turned off by the price. Um, there's definitely some the some missing fashion between the knee and the foot in the, the knee sleeves, the slippers and the socks will look stupid if you stuff it up. And I, and I, um, I really do, I do think that's it. Like genuinely do think that's a really good idea. Uh, so if you've made it this far into the podcast, keep an ear out for pete's business is it 2021 
Um, yeah, it'll be 2021. It should start around the summertime. I'm still working on a few little things and um, I hope to launch the Instagram account along with uh, the company sometime around June or July. Well, that's very cool, man. I uh, wish you the best of luck of that. And maybe I'll have you back on after your meet in May. Okay. I don't want to get it wrong yeah. again. May. But yeah, uh, I'll. Uh, this episode goes up tomorrow. Uh, thanks heaps for coming on. I had a heap of fun talking to you. And I'm sure there's plenty of stuff left over that we could still talk about because I feel like we um, moved pretty quickly. But yeah, thanks, oh, yeah, thanks yeah. heaps, man. Uh, yeah, man. I really appreciate the invitation. This was a really great time. No, it's been heaps of fun talking to you, man. Uh, it's You're very easy to talk to and that just makes my role easier and more fun. So yeah, cheers, man. Yeah, thank you so much, man. Thanks, bro.